In what could prove to be a defining breakthrough in the fight against COVID, scientists think they've discovered why the virus makes some of us sick and barely affects others. And it seems like it's all to do with our body's ability to produce a particular protein. To find out more, the host of RN's Health Report, Dr Norman Swan, joins you. Good morning, Norman. Hi, Patricia. Tell us about this protein and why it's so important in how COVID affects us individually. This finding was announced by the University of Sydney last week. In fact, there have been papers on this over the last two years, so it's not entirely a new phenomenon. This is a, uh, this is a gene that's like a lock and key mechanism on the surface of cells, and the cells that they're on the surface of are called fibroblasts, and these are, t- are cells that help to hold our tissues together. So they're holding together, and they're also involved in the immune system, particularly the first barrier the immune system throws up, throws up which is called innate immunity, when it gets attacked, it just throws up a barrage while it gets its act together to work out what's attacking it and be more specific. Um, and the question, so this gene, this LRRC15 gene, doesn't really matter what it's called, um, seems to um, bind um, the COVID-19 virus and capture it in a sense. Now, you, when you think of a lock and key, you think of a permanent lock and a door But in fact, what these receptors are are proteins which can come off. They can be disconnected from the door to a certain extent. And they seem to bind to the COVID-19 and stop it going on and and bothering other cells and therefore inhibit COVID-19 infection. So the strength of this finding in the University of Sydney is that other labs have found the same thing. Um, One lab found that um, this gene stops you getting severe disease. Um, and it's critical there. It's also involved, by the way, in cancer, rare cancers like uh, cancer of the brain, glioblastoma, sarcoma, um, because it's turning out that connective tissue, these fibroblasts, affect how well you can treat tumours and they can get in the way of treatment. And this may be an important gene in cancer too. So does this have implications for any other diseases? Well, it could have. I mean, there are some dreadful diseases, uh, one in particular called idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, where you get overstimulation of the connective tissue in the lung and the lung stiffens up and, um, and oxygen can't pass through. And it's a terrible problem, a terrible disease to have. And it may well be that this gene is important in that disease. And it may well be important in other viruses as well. So it's a really important discovery. The key is how do you know, why, and it may explain why some people are resistant to COVID-19 and indeed other infections and others, but why it may be genetic that some people have, um, you know, a lot of it around and some people don't. Now, just moving to another element of, of COVID, last week, the Health Minister, Mark Butler, revealed that the most recent wave of COVID infections was much bigger and deadlier than health authorities expected. Why did they get it so wrong? Um... Well, people observing from the sidelines have been saying this, including we've been saying it on Coronacast. Um, I think that what he was doing last week was gently chiding his own department because what we've been focused... The people who are saying the pandemic's over are saying, look at the spikes. So you look at the graph and you see these big spikes. And for 
two years or so, you and I have been talking about these big spikes, and I'm as guilty as anybody else, mm. and that's dramatic, and it gets it and it gets uh, cover and it gets coverage. However, what's really important is what's happening to the graph overall and under these spikes. So a spike can come and go pretty quickly, but you can get a, lo- a shallower curve which goes on for longer and actually infects more people over time. So it's not the height of the spike necessarily that counts, it's how long the curve goes and that's what he was describing and that's why we had a lot of deaths. It's why we've had more deaths this year so far than in a really bad influenza year and and we're only six weeks into the year. So and what he was acknowledging was changing the narrative from the federal government on certainly the federal department of health which is the pandemic's over don't worry about covid it's not an exceptional virus well i'm sorry we've got to still continue to be concerned about it and it is an exceptional virus it seems to be yes we got some advice from atagi last week on covid including a recommendation for that fifth dose what do you think is important people understand about that guidance? Because it does seem like there's less enthusiasm now for vaccination. Yeah, well, that's right. Still 5 million Australians haven't had their third dose. Really what that Atagi advice was about was about boosters, and it's changed the story about boosters. So regardless of how many, inject- infects, uh, how many um, doses you've had, it states that the evidence is, and we've covered that on Coronacast, is that if you have not been infected for six months or had a vaccine or vaccination, you are due for a booster. So, you know, second, uh, you know, third dose, fourth dose or fifth dose, 18 and above. So this restriction on the fourth dose over 40 goes because if you haven't had the fourth dose and you're over 18 and you haven't had COVID or a vaccine in six months, go and get your booster. And the fifth dose will be available from the 20th um, of this month. And uh, it will be particularly of value of people in the older age group, 65 and above, but it will be of value younger than that that too, but in a more dilute sense. Just finally, you're looking this week at stem cell therapy and whether it works for people with arthritis in their knees. What are researchers looking at? Well, this is where some the various ways of doing this, but you spin down, you take take blood, you spin it down and you inject it back into the knee um, to so-called replace the cartilage or reduce inflammation and so on. And research at Sydney University, which we're covering tonight uh, on the health report, is suggesting that there is really very little evidence that it works, but they're doing a big randomised trial to see whether it does or not. But there's a lot of money being spent on this and a lot of hype. Certainly is. Dr. Norman Swan, always a fountain of wisdom. Thank you. You're welcome. Host of RN's Health Report, Dr. Norman Swan, and you're listening to RN Breakfast. ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.